It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! Friday Eve, one more day to the weekend. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Wow, we've got a show for you, man. We've got a show for you. Jason over here. I don't know why I'm clapping. Jason over here breaking news. Jason, it looks like he's in, uh, you know, he's a model out of the Eddie Bauer magazine. <laughs> they don't. They don't have fat models in the Eddie Bauer magazine. <laughs> Eddie Bauer Plus. They should. Yeah, Eddie Bauer Plus. Eddie Bauer they should, Plus. Though that'll be a hot line, though, man. Uh, busy show. Jim Trotter from NFL.com is coming on. Do you know Jim? No. No. I mean, you know of him, but yes. Yeah, yes. Great guy. He's coming on. He's going to talk about the NFL's Rooney Rule. Um, I'm waiting for the first time we have a guest on, and Jay says, "What a jerk." No, there are. <laughs> this guy's terrible. You know why? I don't ask jerks on the show. There you go. <laughs> well, there are, listen, there are names in my Rolodex. <laughs> there are. Let's do that show. That'll Speaking be fun. of that, I'm... Stephen A. Smith is on tomorrow. <laughs> <All right. laughs> he is not in the jerk category. Not even close. Um, he went after the commissioner really hard in the commissioner's state of the league address last week. And um, I thought he was absolutely within We're his back to, Trotter, not to do that. A. Yeah, not yeah. Stephen A. Yeah. Trotter. So he's going to come on. He'll be on at 11:30. Yep. We'll talk to him about the league and how they how they try to make progress in terms of hiring minority coaches. There's uh, nothing they can do, honestly. Well, it's very the old, at the end of the day, you're probably right. The only you can't way mandate the only way to, somebody. The only way it's going to change is if there's diversity in ownership. That, that's the only way it's going to really change. Right. In reality, we and can all pretend it's going to. Well, we keep but, hearing there is a a very diverse group coming. Yeah. To the NFL, I think younger group, owners. I think younger owners, even if they're white, will help. But we really need diversity of ownership to make real change. It's tough and, to, and to you, be an owner. You got to be a billionaire. But the teams don't ever come up for sale yeah. either. No, it's they don't. Very, 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 and very, when they do, the people that are in line are billionaires. Other old and, white guys. And how many billionaires do we know under thirty? And how many Elon bil- Musk is under thirty? How many 30? billionaire black people do you know? I don't. LeBron I don't know games. any billionaire people. Uh, like, I think LeBron's LeBron, not a real billionaire. I think LeBron wants to own an NBA team. I mean, he's made no bones That's about happening. that. That's going to happen. In fact, he wants that team to be in Vegas. Vegas, yeah. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think that will happen. Um, anyhow, we'll get into all of that. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Guardians. The rankings are out. We're going to tell you where one. It's ESPN. MLB.com. MLB.com. We're going to tell you where they have the Guardians ranked. We're also going to talk about that Cavs game last night. Wow, what a what a. Seesaw, crazy. I mean, they were down by 30 almost. Early. Really yeah. it early. It was looking like a 1-2-3 Cancun type of boy. <laughs> and, man, if the Sixers had missed a couple of free throws at the end, they would have had a shot. Yeah. They did. They yeah. came they back. Playing. They made Philly it quit, close. Philly quit playing. Yeah. They yeah, thought yeah. it was Well, they quit rap. playing in the third and fourth quarters, right. yeah. and then they were like, guys, let's go. And they, they made got their free throws. And... Then they got it to within four on three yep. different occasions. Harden and Embiid are the most 
they they are the most unwatchable pair of guys playing. The way they play and the way they officiate these dudes, they shoot like 65 free throws. It's just it's it just, changes in the postseason, though, G. It's it disgusting the watching these dudes. It does. Yeah, and it's slow. Beat us. Very Embiid slow. is so huge. He's tough to handle. What a monster! Sure. He, he gets is. in the paint. It's uh, over. Let's do Bulls bet. By the way, yeah. it looked like you were an absolute I, loser yesterday. I just pulled it out. I was, no, I pulled no it out. It I know. And I'm like, oh, Bulls Dude, going what's down. What's happening? Did you see how he pulled it out? A garbage time bucket. It was a garbage time. Yes. In the final minute, like shoot a three. And I thought he was going to beat. What's funny is he goes to shoot the three. I'm like, pass it, pass it. And he did. I'm like, yes. Bull is two and one on his best of the week. That's right. That's right. We were keeping a tracker. He's two and one. And whenever we do Bulls bet of the week, it's brought to us by the host of Bulls podcast. Bet Rivers. Hey, Ohio, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for every single game. Now, right now, like right now, is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportsbook. When you use deposit code SPORTS, you receive a second chance bet up to $500. Get in on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey to help you win big. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Bull. Today's bet's a big one. Uh, yes, it is. So, we all know I don't follow a ton of college basketball, but I do know enough to know that Ohio State sucks at college basketball. Yeah, they're not They've good. been horrible. Ohio State's last win was actually against Iowa, and they beat them pretty handily. I think they won that game by 20 points about a month ago. However, since that game, these two teams have gone in the opposite direction. Ohio State's been awful. Iowa's played very well. Since that Ohio State loss, Iowa's only lost one game and that was to a really good team. I don't know. I think it was Purdue. Um, and so, Iowa, I expect Iowa to take care of business in the game. They're looking for revenge for Ohio State beat them. And Ohio State's just a disaster. In Columbus. So, I'll lay the seven right? and a half points. It says versus Ohio State. So, it's is it in uh, Columbus? I can't remember off the top of my head where the game is. Uh, we just copied that from the email, so I'll yeah. double check. Well, usually when it's written Ohio yeah. versus Ohio State, it's in Columbus. Um, I think the game's in Iowa, but I can't remember now. Yeah. Either way, I, Ohio State's shot. They're completely yeah. shot. I like Why Iowa to win so by double terrible. digits. Why no. is Ohio State basketball? It's in so, Iowa City, by the way. Yeah, it is in Iowa. So yeah, terrible. Ohio State versus Iowa, then. Yeah. That's Bet Rivers. Don't there you worry. go. Not us. They got to do better than that. They're, they're a casino. Where's their casino? Do they have a physical casino somewhere? Toronto. Or somewhere I, in Canada. They, is that the only one? I wondered about that because I keep seeing those... Those two guys that they got to do the um, Fox Sports tried to compete with Sports Center. Yeah. They hired Dan and Jay, those two Canadians who are like oh, yeah, yeah, comedians. Yeah. I don't know who's Dan and who's Jay, but one of them yeah. is doing a lot of their national commercials. So I figured they must right. have had more a news on that coming in terms of sports books and stuff like that. But yeah. Next week. Nothing here in there Ohio though yet. Anyhow. Yeah. Nope. What's that? I I took advantage of Bulls better than. Oh, Bulls. you did. All right. I parlayed it with a couple. Of I others. like it. You win them all. I sure did. All right. Dude, you're hooked. I love I'm it. I'm just dabbling. No, you're not dabbling. You're hooked. <laughs> hey, as long as he's doing it with the guy who, who are we allowed to say what your number was on the first day of legalized gambling in Ohio? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, $7,000? Yeah. Wow. Hey, I'm, I'm dabbling. But I ended like within $100 after all that. So, it so, it's like playing blackjack for 14 hours and you walk away with 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to know, like, is this the same level of, of bad if you have an intervention with your buddy? Like, I would rather him dabble in, like, gambling rather than dabble in, like, heroin or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they can both lead to the gutter. Right, they yeah, can both. Bull, Bull had a little bit of a problem with gambling addiction, and I don't know how you beat it. Because it's when you're in, you're in, and... 
this is the one addiction that you can, the more you do, the, the you can buy your way out of that situation. Yeah. Like, in, if you're a heroin addict, you're not going to suddenly kick the habit if you start doing more. Yeah, or you just go to, right. like, cocaine. Like, you just... <laughs> Just switch, like you just switch up, <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Don't then, do either one. Then you go one. to meth. Then and you if you need help, and if you need help, we recommend none of this. None of drugs. Do not endorse over gambling or no. drug use here. No, and there is a hotline for if you're if you yes. have a gambling addiction. Gamble within your means. Yeah, within Google your means. it. There's a hotline. Uh, if you get in trouble, um, you got to recognize it early, and you got to take steps to get out of it early. That's right. Just saying, Jason. Okay, you broke news last night. You broke a big story. Tell us about. Tell us the story, first of all, and how it went down, uh, Kevin, if you can. Yeah, Kevin Love and the Cavs are finalizing a buyout. And, I, I mean, this was Shams drove most of this. I came in at the end and helped put some bows on it. You closed the it. deal. Yeah, I came in at the end and put some bows on it. Shams has been working on this for a number of days. It's been, it's been a process. Um, I think everybody knows Kevin's out of the rotation. I don't think he's real happy about that. He wants to play. He's trying, Kevin is trying to play next year. He's trying to play for his next contract. So wow. he wants to, he needs to get on the floor and prove. Do you see him getting another contract? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, probably a league minimum deal at this point, unless he really turns it around wherever he goes. Uh, likely going to be Miami. I think he's, his mind, and that's, that's Sham's side of the reporting on this, is it's Miami. A lot of teams came out of the woodwork last night when our report went up in the middle of the night. We started. It's not going to take much to get him, right? No. Minimum no. salary. And, well, I mean, whatever he gets from, Team the B will affect the buyout. He'll be Cavs. made whole by the buyout. It's team. exactly yeah. that. Yeah. So we and the, and they, I mean, the Cavs and the Cavs and Kevin still have to finalize those terms on the financials of, of what the deal is. Uh, so it's not done, but it's going to happen. I, like, I feel like Kevin was done a little wrong by the Cavs in the last couple of weeks. He helped his team win a championship. Now, I know he's had some real bumps in the road the last couple of years. Yes, he has. But he's the last piece to this 16 championship. Uh, there's a love affair between Cleveland and Kevin Love. And I expected the team to come out and say more. That they said, they've said nothing. We just watched the games and he's not in. Yeah. And we know that it's a coach's decision. I just felt like they should have come out, maybe before the trade deadline, and say, you know, we're going in a different direction. We don't see how he helps right. us out. And we're, we're going to not play him because we're trying to deal him. We don't want any injuries or anything. And they just said it's been radio silent. Well, I think the team wanted to keep him. They, they, I mean, Kevin approached them like Kevin's the one who said, "Like, all right, that's it. Like, I, I'm done. I want. Well, I I'm, go. because, well, because he wants an opportunity to play." Jason, didn't JB say he's out of the rotation? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So what else are the Cavs supposed to do? Well, I don't ever remember JB saying that. He well, came out. I, 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 he, I, he danced around you it. You know how these things work? Where I don't know what's said on the record and what's said off the record, but the Cavs made very clear to the people covering the team that Kevin's out of the rotation. Okay, so, so yeah. like, what do they owe him? So well, they paid him this multi-billion-dollar contract. I, I billion-dollar contract. He right. ripped the team off. He's been terrible for the most part yeah, I, so since you, he resigned this you, contract. You said earlier before the show started. Yeah. This is fascinating. Cavs, Cavs still won a championship without Kevin. I believe that. that. Yeah, there's no way to know for sure. No. But, because uh, they would have made Jay, other moves. That? No, I think no. they needed. Yeah, them. I think they absolutely needed. All right, now, listen, it's okay that you guys are wrong, but I, I that's fine. I don't <laughs> well, mind. Well, you're three against one, so I. I, I mean, I was are... with the team every day for nine yeah, months. Yeah, but I'm, I'm wrong. Gonna trust you. You, that's were, why you were busy you. doing other things. Who knows what you were? That's why I looked right to you. Please, please. Um, look, you Kevin Love wasn't the main cog. Kevin Love was a big piece. Let, let, let's let's be clear. They could. Gee, you think they couldn't have won the championship without Kevin Love? No, no. That's disappointing. Because you got to look at you got to look at the way they spaced the floor. 
He's exactly the dude LeBron said he wanted, right? And you can't, you like, even when you go back and you look at, you got the shot, you got the drive. Kevin Love played defense for like 10 seconds in a row on Steph Curry. So nobody twice, else could have played twice. that defense for, for 10 seconds. It, like, it's his skill set. It's his open shooting. It's, it's, Let's face it, his skill set is overrated. He, he, he was a guy who put up points on an awful team. No, his skill set wasn't overrated. But no, as a floor, years, as a he floor was not, stretching big, a three-point yeah. shooter. Yeah, but we thought he was a superstar when we got him. And he Some wasn't. people did based on the numbers he was putting up in Minnesota. They were but a empty lot of people numbers. knew those were fools gold numbers. They were but empty also, numbers. No, one, was, no but, one thought he was going to do that here. But he was the third option here, too. He didn't yeah. have nearly as much much oxygen in the offense as he did right. in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah but then he became the number, the number one option when they left, and he sucked, and well, he's been injured. Kevin, the, the series against the Warriors, the yeah. Warriors were a bad matchup for him. Like, the Cavs knew it. Like, yeah. the Cavs, all that whole 16th season, were looking at the Warriors going, God, what are we going to do with Kevin? And then he got concussion. They brought him off the bench. So there was a lot going on. But the role that Kevin played getting them to that point, he absolutely cooked the Raptors. He cooked a lot of teams along the way. Like, he played a very important role in this whole thing. Was he a great matchup with the Warriors? Not exactly, but he was very but important Jason, in getting them there. But here's the thing. They would have beaten those all those other teams without, without him. You know that. Uh, no one knows that. Well, okay, whatever. You're well, guessing that. Yeah, Toronto, so are you. Three Toronto, of us are we're guessing, all guessing. That they, they, We're all guessing. They, you don't think a, they could have beaten the Toronto Raptors? No, they, Toronto, Toronto, they were in Toronto's head. Like, so if, the, if they, they needed him up, against that, Golden State, and he wasn't very good against Golden State, then why'd they need him to win listen, it? Listen, that Cleveland-Toronto series could be its own 30 for 30. Like, yeah, I know. There's a lot going on there. Wild. That they, whole yep. series and and wild. by the way, I, I, I disagree with also the premise yeah. that he's been terrible for the last four years. Oh, yeah. Last he year, he was. up to the contract. But here's the thing. Last year, never given him Last year. Last year, he was very But he was a $30 million six man. I get it. Gee, but here's the thing. Jay just said before, everybody loves Kevin Love. We hated him a year and a half ago. We all wanted to kick his ass out of town. He was a terrible teammate. I don't And then he turned it around. I give him that. He had bumps in the road. But two years ago, he was a borderline cancer, was he not? But you could be two things. Oh, there's problems. You could be two things at once. You could have a good year. You could have a bad year. Like still you. So... I mean, uh, so let's go back in yeah. time. LeBron leaves. They don't know what to do with Kevin. He's got a year left on his contract. Yeah. There were people in the organization telling, like saying, do not sign him to this right. extension. And they did it anyway. They didn't want to go into a full-blown tank like they did the first time. Which they no did pieces. anyway. <laughs> they, they, they wanted, I know, but they yeah. wanted Kevin. They wanted a, a piece that they could say, look, he stayed. We can build around him. And I told Kevin, and I was a little bit wrong about this, but I told Kevin, you realize you're back in Minnesota. Like, you're back in Minnesota now. and But the Cavs flipped as fast than for I ever minute, thought that they it could. it looked like he was yeah, back for a couple of years he was. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of mistakes that they made. They've just been able to cover them and, and fix them this last year and a half or so. But there was a ton of mistakes that the Cavs made those first couple of years after LeBron left, the Kevin contract being one of them. So he signs this contract. That and he signed it because we had this conversation. It was probably more money and more years than he would have gotten in the open market. So that's why, I mean, his agent did a great job negotiating that deal. He signs this $120 million extension. He comes back, but he wants to win. Like, he's addicted to the win now. They won in 2016. Once you taste the champagne, you don't want to go back to beer. And now suddenly he's back drinking nasty beers. That was a on bad, a bad team. Yeah. And he didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. And he's admitted he didn't know he how to handle that. He mishandled it. He did. He, yeah. he had a lot of blow-ups and a lot of situations that he didn't handle well. He, he wanted out. They would have gladly traded him, but he didn't have any value. And they were kind of looking at him like, well, play better. Like, if you want us to trade you, you got to play better. They were never going to attach any sort of asset of value to move his contract. What's the end game for the Cavs? What do they get out of making this move now? They are giving him what he wants. They're that's taking, it? That's it. They're taking someone who... 
has meant a lot to this organization who spent nine. LeBron's been here 11 years. Kevin's been here nine. Like, right. There's not much difference. No. Like, like when you look at when you look at Kevin Love, you could go back and look through, look at all the older players that the Cavs have already had. Man, he's arguably the third best player in the history of your organization. Like, it's not like, like, come on. He, Larry Nance ain't better than Kevin Love. Let's be real. Uh, He's not the third best player. Hey, Come on now. Well, the game has changed. At, the game has gee, changed. I, I'm Are you honest. out of your mind? You gonna uh, say he's better than Mark Price and Brad Darty? Hey, come on, man. Let's let's be clear. Come on now. Let, let, let's be clear. How many how many All Star appearances did Mark Price got? Listen, we got a love affair with people in this town that been playing in the '80s when we didn't have nothing else. Let's be clear. Kevin that, Love. That is, is, there's some truth to that. Kevin Love is established. He's an Olympian. Kevin Love. Hold on. He's yeah, an Olympian. Ahead. He's he's five-time All-Star, All-NBA twice. He averaged 26 and almost 14 in a year. I do think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Come on now. I think ain't nobody. I don't think there's a question. Based on Justice NBA career, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? No, because number one in basketball, they let everybody Everybody's in. in. In number two, it's a whole body of work. It's not just NBA. No, I know that, but I'm asking you a question. Based on Justice NBA career, yes. he's all famer. Yeah, I do. I because do. of like he sort of reshaped the game and <laughs> how we look at power forwards. He was one of those guys. He was one of the first stretch forwards. If you look at his three point numbers and his rebounding numbers, yeah, I mean, he's he's a, I don't think. He's do you think he's a bet? He was better as a Cav than Brad Darty or Mark Price. It's different eras. It's hard to say. Like Kevin was not good defensively. Larry Nance. Senior was spectacular. I get it. I get and, what and you, Brad Kevin Love was a five-time All-Star as a Cav. No, no, I don't know no, as a Cav because I know he was in Minnesota. So that's a misleading graphic there, Mike. I, but, but is this career? Many, no, no, no. You, can't you said he was a away. better Cav. He is a better player. You're including his Minnesota he is, career. He is, be, he is a better player than Larry Nance and Brad Doherty. I'm sorry. That. And there's no way, but not as a Cav. He, there's, I don't think there's a debate. Well, to G's point, I think Kevin Love is going to the Hall of Fame, and I don't think those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. They're never going to well, sniff the Hall of Fame. But that includes college and other things, too. But what I'm saying... You're Hall of no, 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 Famer. Wait a second. You're Hall are of you, Famer. You're including his Minnesota career. I'm a, listen. That's where he put up... His, as a Cleveland Cav, he was not better. What was better. He, how long was he in Minnesota? Four years? He was in Six Minnesota years. from 2008 to 2014. How, how many Six. All-Star and first NBA, all, first team All-NBA as a Cav? Two All-Stars, no All-NBA. I mean, come on. But I, again, he's playing a complete, he's third wheel. He's a third dude to Kyrie the, LeBron. Okay. He's the third wheel playing with two ball dominant. Agreed, agreed. And he was, an, he was a good, a very good player in his time here with LeBron. But G said he's the third best Cavalier ever. He might to be me, the third best to ever. To me, that only accounts his Cavs time, not his time in hey, Minnesota. Hey, I'm looking at. I'm just gonna keep it real. Like I'm just looking at the '80s. These Mikey, guys. Are, where is he on the points list for Cavs? Cavs all time. Give me one sec. He gotta be almost. Uh, he gotta <laughs> be in the top five for rebounds. I guess he's top five in both. <laughs> I mean, like, he's I, probably I, top five and three pointers too. So I actually you, just you looked this at, up the other day. I should know. But I don't. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to know where so, he ranks Cavs points all time, Cavs rebounds all time, Cavs three pointers all time, which and obviously that's, that's, that's all time all is ninth all time in points as a Cav. Okay, who's ahead of him? Go ahead. Kyrie, Hot Rod, Bingo Smith, Mark Price, Austin Carr, Brad Dowdy, Big Z, LeBron. Yeah. How, I mean, what is he in rebounds? Uh, I got to go a different website. Give let's one go. Second. Let's go, Mike. Get on it. It's not all. Well, good for him for being second in scoring since 2015. That's a real impressive list right there. And then you got to add that he won a championship. Like, you, there, he got stuff that none of them other, other cast was sniff. They well, don't none know of those guys played with LeBron. I mean, come on. You got to think about this. He'd have, he'd have been on the Olympic team. He yeah. got a gold medal. 
That's he, fine, G. I don't. That doesn't have to. When when you say to me he's a better cat, the third best cat of all time. To me, I'm only factoring his cat. No, I, if, I think you're punishing. Kevin Love is fifth all time in rebounds for the Cavs, by the way. I think you're punishing him for the sacrifice that he made in the role that he took in coming here, where he could have put up a lot bigger numbers. He could have stayed in Minnesota and got almost he twenty-seven had monster game. numbers, and right. he wouldn't have gone anywhere and he wouldn't have won anything. But we could have looked at him and said, "Wow, look at all the numbers that he that he." Compiled. And we said, "There's those now empty stats." Right. I know, so but why should I include? I I, I I factor that in. And you want to tell me he's a top 10 Cavalier of all time? Sure, I'm with you well, there. Well, that's no I mean, argument, I don't know. top 10. I, I would probably say you could make a case for top five. Top three is tough. I think five at best. I mean, does Kyrie, does he crack the top three with his limited time here? I, and the way his time here ended, I think all that has to be. I, I Kevin think Love's Ky- also second all-time in three-pointers made. Yeah, I was going to say he's got to be top three in three-pointers. Yeah, he's, I, I, so he's I, ninth, above Mark Price. Ninth in points. Well, it's a different yeah, but game They weren't now. shooting threes back then. Ninth saying, in points, yeah. fifth in rebounds, and third in three-pointers. There's no way I'm putting him ahead of Kyrie That's as a, a strong Cavalier. argument, though. No, I'm not. Are we, <laughs> I got him in the top three. Kyrie, listen, no disrespect. No disrespect to anybody, but you know disrespect. Kyrie Irving the disrespect. Is, Kyrie, the disrespect. Kyrie Irving is better than any other Cavalier that has ever that put I that agree. jersey on, that except for Mr. 23. That's it. That I agree. The only argument you can make for some of the other guys is that they played for the Cavs longer. But, but I would, I would agree. I would put, I would put Kyrie number two. Yeah, but and then but, I would put Price and Doherty three and four. And then maybe I could maybe I go with Kevin Love. And, and trust me, I'm not a I'm not a Kevin Love cult follower. Like I've been wanting him all the time. Like I wanted to get rid of him two years ago. Yeah. But what I must say is I can't strip his medals and say a man that averaged in this league 27 and 26 and 14 and take that away. Like oh well, just willy nilly. Nah, man. Like if I look at your stats and I look at Larry Nance's stats or Hot Rod and you ain't never had 20. <laughs> That's hard to do. I can't strip him like that. He he might not be a top five cab, but I will say that Kevin Love, if he does not play with the Cavaliers, they're not winning that championship. He did a lot of good things that. in that championship. And I think the Cavs as an organization should have did it better. They could have came to him and said, listen, Kev, you're not going to be in the rotation. But they did. No, no, no. no I mean, formally. They could have got Don't him. Don't you think, Jason, do you think they spoke to him or they just did this? I, I don't think that uh, there is a lot of communication involved. All right, well, then that's bad. And he deserves that better than that. He, he should have. That's like, my point. Where, where you want to go, mm-hmm. we'll get you there. We appreciate what you've done. We appreciate what you, the contributions to the organization. Let's see if we can get you to a place and make it work for both sides. We'll do it before the trade deadline. And, and, well, and, nobody and wants what I don't want to see. I don't want to see him go to Miami and then we face up with Miami in the first the round. Because then he's going to go 11 of 11 from three-point right. range, score 45 right. points, and bye-bye. I mean, <laughs> obviously, that's, that's, that's Cleveland more. That's how it works. The Cavs didn't really see a path to where he was going to help them anymore. They felt like he wasn't going to help them in the postseason. Yeah. Like, He's, they think he's done. And I think that's a fair assessment. I, I yeah. probably, yeah, I think he's, what's funny about the whole Kevin thing is, um, I mean, obviously I have, okay, like, let's be clear. I have not spoken to Kevin about this. Like, I texted him, he didn't return my text. I haven't talked to Kevin in weeks. But I've obviously had a relationship with him for a number of years. And at the start of the season, I wanted to do a story on with him on, like, what does the last chapter of your NBA career look like? And he was all for it. I was supposed to come back to the facility and do it like two days later. And I got there and he didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm not in that mindset. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. I'm like, okay. And then as LeBron's approaching the career scoring mark, I said, let's, I was, we're doing this massive podcast series at the athletic on LeBron passing Kareem. And obviously we wanted Kevin to be part of it. I said, let's get you on that and let's do this 
this other story on what the last chapter of your career looks like will knock the whole thing out in 20 minutes. Okay, good. Then he wouldn't commit to it. He wouldn't do it. And now we're not going to do it at all. But, but he wanted to end his career here. Like when I talked to him at the start of the year, I said, isn't it crazy? Like you guys were staring at each other two years ago, waiting for the other one to die basically. And now you want to end your career here. And he said, I know it's crazy, but I would love to stay here. This is where I want to be. Like, this is what I always wanted. We got a chance to win. Now we're winning again. This is where I want to be, but he also wants to play and he wants another contract. And he feels like he's got more left to give. I talked to him a few weeks ago where he felt like the thumb was finally healed. And he said, I think like, I'm, I'm really close. I'm going to turn the corner. It's coming. I can feel it. You just wait and see what these next couple weeks are going to be. And then it just never happened for him. I don't blame him for wanting to play. I get no, that. I don't either. And I don't blame the Cavs. Like, listen, JB settled on a rotation. They got hot. They were playing really well Yeah. Uh, with his guys. He cut the rotation back a little bit and they got on a roll. Yeah. So you roll with the I guys. I get it from both sides. I yeah. have one last question because I don't know that we're going to even be able to get Jacoby in here in this five minute window before we have Jeb Trotter on. But um, the, here's my biggest fear. The one thing that I think he did bring to this team in the playoffs is obviously that veteran leadership, yeah. that stable voice in yeah. the locker room. I know Donovan's had some playoff experience, but could this be a situation where they start to look around in April and say, boy, it would have been nice to have Kevin's presence in here. You know, that's why they got Danny Green. Well, that's, I was going to bring him up. They have to see if Danny's got anything left. Like right. they don't think Kevin's got anything left. Right. Now they want to look at Danny and see if Danny's got anything left in the tank because he can do, he can help that. I died a gruesome, awful, bloody death on the Mike Miller Hill when Mike was here (laughs) because I was pounding the table. Mike Miller is going to win them a playoff game. Never did. (laughs) One day Mike was in his truck leaving the facility and he like rolls down his window. He goes, don't give up on me yet. I'm like, you better come through for me. And he never delivered. At least it wasn't Darren Williams. (laughs) But I I would have probably pounded the table again and said, Kevin Love can help this team in a postseason series. Like he's got, he's got the experience. He's not going to get rattled. He's not going to get shook in the moment. Like, he can help them. And clearly, the Cavs felt otherwise. Um, he's such a defensive liability. He is. Oh, man. He, he that, I mean, he always is. was. But, I mean, if now he, so it's if worse he's than Larry. If he's not making shots, he's he can't help There's him. no value. Yeah, there's yeah. no value. Okay, well, we wish him well. We wish him the best. Well, Jay, before uh, we move on, because uh, we only got a few minutes for Jim Trotter. Right. Knock out what the internet says, because our YouTube chat, and we're getting a bunch of tweets about this topic here. Whenever we tell you what the internet says, it's brought to us by our good friends at PCC Airfoils. Looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits? PCC Airfoils is the place for you. It's the leading airfoil manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airfoils in East Lake Men or Wycliffe Minerva are hiring for all positions starting $18 and up, plus full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. G, I think you make a compelling point about Kevin Love. However, the people's champ is getting a lot of pushback. Not a lot of agreement that they'd put love over uh, Mark Price or Brad Dougherty. Jem Data says we need Brad in here for this conversation. If anyone knows old Cavs, it's him. Yeah. Uh, Roberto El Presidente says using G. Bush's logic, Dwayne Wade is a top all-time Cav. Come so, on, come on, Dwayne Wade played here for four four minutes. He's been here nine seasons. Come on, well, get better. Steve Becker texted us that you did have Donovan Mitchell in your top what three or four a couple couple well, weeks ago. Well, see, so here's the thing. I, when I base these arguments, I base these arguments on if I'm on the playground and you say you want Larry Nance, Brad Doherty, or Kevin Love, guess who I'm taking? Brad Doherty. I'm taking Kevin Love. I'm taking Brad Doherty. I, I mean, Dude, that's all I'm looking at. You know, in the schoolyard, nobody's taking Kevin Love. Come on now. Like, See, when Kevin he, Love brings something to the table. I'm kidding. That, I'm yeah, kidding. That I'm kidding. Brad Doherty. Like, I'm the, just the, the, his ability to, like you said, shoot three pointers and get rebounds. He's going to fill two stack columns for yeah. you. That's 
And That's no, big in today's and, game. And no disrespect, I, I think what you got to realize is it is a different game, but what you got to think about it too is I can get three-point shooting is so crucial that while you getting twos, I'm getting threes. Like, he, and, and plus it brings, it had Brad Doherty or Larry Nance or whatever has to come out from the basket and guard him on the perimeter, giving other people room to move and maneuver. It's a reason why I pick Kevin Love, not just because I think Brad Doherty's trash. And one more internet comment from Evan419. I'm curious what your guys' take on this is. He says, Tristan Thompson was more valuable to that championship team than Kevin Love. Thoughts? Tristan was incredibly valuable to that team because he was a weapon against the Warriors. I agree. And Kevin, Tristan was more valuable against the Warriors than Kevin was. It depends on the series and the matchup. Tristan was a, um, I mean, they were putting two and three guys on him to keep him off the glass. He could switch on pick and rolls. I agree. Tristan was more important. And and Tristan should get his, his jersey retired. He might. I'm not. I, I, I said that a couple I years LeBron, ago. LeBron, Kevin, and Kyrie are all going to the rafters, and you can make a case for. I, for obviously, Tristan's Kevin well. Love is a better NBA player than Tristan Thompson, but I think Tristan Thompson during that the championship run was a more important player. Yeah, than it's Kevin not even Love. A more important. Uh, the, the the statement was that they that they can still win the championship without Kevin Love. I think they could have. I think when you look at the course of a seven game series, and not just a seven game series, but all of the series. Yeah. Every player makes huge contributions yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yep. And there were points in that postseason where Kevin Love was the difference right, maker. but you would have had somebody game. else in that spot. That we don't, don't know, know who it would have been. We don't know you that. Can assume that, but you don't well, know. Well, you would have. You would have. You would have either had Andrew Wiggins, or you would have done something else. There would have been flexibility to make another move. We'll never know. For Whatever. Sure. It's a barroom debate. Yeah. There's one other point I want to make on Kevin before we move on. Is it was. A joy to be around him for all those years because Easy I watched. Easy to deal with. I watched this transformation of him when he got here. He was sullen and quiet. He would stare at the floor every time he did media. He didn't trust anyone. He didn't talk to anyone. And the championship. I don't know if it validated him. If it unburdened him. He was a completely different person after, after that. After the title, he yeah. was so much more engaging. He was a joy to be around. Quite often, he went on this mental health journey where he came to terms with his depression, his anxiety. He became a spokesperson in a face for mental health in this country, which we desperately needed people in his position to stand up and say, yeah, I struggle too. It's okay. I had multiple conversations with him over things like childhood suicide rates and and how passionate he was, even if kids, but how passionate he was about so many kids are killing themselves today. Why is this? We need to fix this. We got to get to the bottom of this. And he, he just, I remember when he came out with the players union or the players tribune story and, and he wrote everything that he wrote. I think we were in San Antonio. I don't remember where we were. We were on the road. And I said, you realize you just became the face of this movement. And he said, no, 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 no. And I'm like, I'm telling you. He did. He has, did. really. And he has. He didn't realize it in the moment. He didn't realize what he had done. But he held onto it with both hands. He stepped forward. And he did a lot of great things for the mental health community. And he never backed down from that. And uh, It I'm takes sa- a lot of courage. It too. does. And I'm, I'm sad that it ends this way. I wish it would have had a better, a better ending for all parties involved. I have, yeah, there was a lot of rough moments in between. I have nothing but respect for him and wish him well. Obviously, he deserves major kudos for that because a lot of other players would have been afraid to to speak up about that. Yeah. By the way, one last thing on basketball, unless we have Jim ready. Jim's not. Nope. We got another Uh, second. One last thing on basketball. I mentioned the other day I started the Bill Russell documentary. You guys should all watch it. I finished it last night. It's two parts. It's like almost three hours worth yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really good. What was the, what would you say is the biggest takeaway? The thing that you learned about Bill Russell that you previously didn't know? I, I mean, there was a lot that I didn't know, honestly. It, it, I mean, was well, it the civil rights, how active he well, was? Well, I knew he was active in terms of civil rights, but I didn't realize the extent of like, 
of, of how much he did. They were supposed he to He was play. a flag bearer, really. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he and Jim Brown, obviously, and eventually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Like, they had a, that meeting in Cleveland. Yes. I didn't, I, for some reason, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was, was Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I should have known Cleveland. that. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, just the fact, like, there was a game that they were going to play. Because in those days, they would play some neutral site basketball games. They did that a lot. There yeah. was a game they were going to play. I think it was in Louisville, Kentucky. And, of course... Like the black players weren't allowed to eat to to eat at any of the restaurants, and and he was just like, well, we're not going to play in the game. Good. And he got and, and he got all the black players on both teams to not play in the game. Think about I that. I was like, that's amazing. Think about that. That was in your lifetime. It's a, well, not in my lifetime. Well, well, I'm not that old, but close. My, my, it was but in close. My, in my parents, certainly in your parents, I'm not far yeah. from my lifetime. I mean, that's one generation yeah. Yeah, where if we all went to a restaurant, yeah. I would have to go somewhere else. I mean, it's it's crazy. That breaks my heart just hearing you say it like that. It's I know crazy. When you put it like that. I, and you know what? The three of us would say the same thing. <laughs> G. Bush comes in, or none of us come. That's in. right. It's I mean, crazy, it, it's man. it's nuts what he went through, what they went through. Like he, when his number was retired, there were no fans there, there were no media there because they had treated him like crap. Wow. What, he didn't want he, them there. Like when his number was retired. Originally, now he years later, late nineties, I think. They did a ceremony for him. Wow. He had softened over the years. Wow. You know, people changed. There's not as many awful people. But when he originally had his numbers retired, he wanted no fans and no media. He's, he only cared about his teammates. His teammates were good to him. and But he said fans, by and large, were crappy. He lived in a – when he moved to Boston, he lived in this um, suburb. I can't think of the name of the suburb. He was the first black family to move in, right? They used to mess with his house. They were, <laughs> this is his own people. There's own city. His yes. Own fans. Yes. But Jim Jim Rice had a notoriously bad relationship yes. with the media too in Boston. Yeah. And uh, it probably I think it took him a number of times to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know I mean he they made him wait. They they made him suffer it out. And I never. I hate that part. Uh, of, listen, of I our business. I do too. The that pettiness. is ridiculous. Yeah, it's I ugly. hate that. And I know that's your that's your fraternity. No, uh, I call it out when I see it. And, and I'm glad you do because I, I've talked to a lot of guys that will openly tell me I, that I they get some kind of satisfaction, like almost like they were picked last in gym class and yeah, now they're going to make the job. Oh, it was. Hey. That's weak. That's and weak. And it's, it's, it's terrible. I hate and that. It's why Albert Belden won the MVP. He I know it is. He screwed out of the MVP. Well, later in the show, we're going to have a discussion uh, in our fence rider about uh, is Jokic going to be a three-time, yeah, you yeah. know, three times in a row. And a lot of times, you know, there have been a lot of players that were up for that award three times and didn't get Michael Jordan, I think, was up for it at least once. LeBron and Kareem were up for it twice. They won back to back, but yeah. didn't get it in the third. And so many times when I would talk to the voters, I'm like, well, wait, why? I thought well, I should vote for we, we just don't feel like you can win it three in a row. It's not a three-year it's in ridiculous. a row award. Totally it's ridiculous. It embodies what's done. It's totally insane. Totally it's agree. insane. It makes me nuts. LeBron should have more MVPs. Than by the way. Absolutely. The, Kobe by, has by one MVP. By the way, another Bill Russell thing, he, when he was in college, when he was in college, he was by far the best player. He played at the University of San Francisco. He was by far the best player. He, I think they won the University of San Francisco, who nobody ever heard of for basketball. Right. They won like, I think they over, had over two years, like a 56-game winning streak, some absurd number. I don't remember the exact number. And like, he was the best player by far. It wasn't even close. And he didn't win player of the year because he was black. For his team? No, 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 for, for the NCAA. For the NCAA. Oh, oh, okay. And at the ceremony, they wanted him to congratulate the winner so it wouldn't, because it looked so stupid that he didn't win, and he refused to do it. 
And I don't know, like he had so much pressure on him coming in and he said Red Auerbach saved. He was thinking about quitting. I mean, maybe it's hyperbole that he was thinking about quitting, but he said he couldn't shoot at all in the beginning. And then Red Auerbach, two weeks into his career, said, I don't care if you score a single point. Play defense, get rebounds. It's all I care about. And that totally changed his career. Freed and he just relaxed. Yeah. And he just and he just did and then he just dominated. And the rivalry with Chamberlain, he had said some kind at one point when he first retired, he said that he criticized there was the famous championship series. I think it was, I can't remember all the years now. It might have been 68. I don't, I don't remember now the exact year. But because they played the Lakers so many times and, and, and they played Chamberlain when he was in Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. But there was one year where Chamberlain went out with the Lakers. He missed the end of the game. And Russell criticized him for, for coming out, taking himself out of the game. Wow. So they had bad blood for a while, but they made up before, yeah. you know, they, so they both died. So it's two-part series. Netflix? It's amazing. Netflix, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm leaving out a ton of stuff. I mean. Uh, do we have Jim yet? We don't have Jim. I just texted him. He, he confirmed this uh, yesterday. He was good for today. So let's talk a little about the game last night. Yeah. And okay. then we'll, we'll pivot once yeah, yeah, yeah. Check mine. Not a ton to talk about to me. in the uh, overall grand scheme. They were down 20-plus early. They made it 27, late. I think, was the number. 27. Jason alluded to it earlier. Philadelphia stopped playing for a quarter and a half before they turned it back on. But are you guys disappointed with how the Cavs came out in this one? Or did you kind of foresee a letdown knowing it's the last game before All-Star break? They get an extended period off. But it was yes. a big game. I, I, was, I was disappointed with the start. I'll yeah, tell you. I, was I, I, I was disappointed with the level of I was more than disappointed. I was pissed. Because, because Philadelphia, this is the thing. Philadelphia, and I think uh, Austin Carr said this in a postgame. He said he, they realized the, what it was for the seeding. Yeah. They understood that if they would have won that game, they had, you know, the, the tiebreaker in their back pocket. They would right now be tied yeah. for the three. Right. But yep. Obviously, being 2-0 against yeah. them, they would have the tiebreakers. They'd be in the three seed today right yes. now. And so they didn't, they didn't come out and do what they needed to do. And I thought when JB said, hey, guys, you got to give some pushback. I'm like, no, nah, it's, more, it's, more, it's more egregious than pushback. You got hit in the mouth. You got you got you know role players, the bench guys. Sometimes with the Cavs, they just I don't know. They just roll out of bed where it's like they're not aggressive. They're kind of passive. And in the first quarter, when you know you got open three after open three after open three, I don't know what they were doing defensively. I don't know if they their plan Nothing. was that was the problem. Uh, it was just it was tough to watch. And then you get back into the game, it's too late sometimes. And this is what they're gonna see. In the playoffs, every game will be like that. That's every right. Every team. If you don't bring it every night. Every game. I mean, well, what scares me is I think I think the matchup felt more like the first half matchup than the second half matchup because it, it was obvious Philly had come out in the third quarter and they were like, this, this is in the bag. At one point, the Cavs were down 63 to 35. There was a 28-point <laughs> deficit. That's not ideal. Right before halftime. No, it was not ideal. <laughs> now, um, they got it to within 17 at, at the end of three. And on three different occasions within the last two and a half minutes, they got it to within four. Um, but at no point that I ever, I mean, I, I got excited with the comeback and I thought, hey, well, let's see what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I thought it was fool's gold because it was clear Philly was practicing the, the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I was on the UCSS uh, text chain last night, texting through the game. Thank you to those of you who stuck in there with me. There were points where it just became story time. Of, yeah. There was nothing to tweet and text about. So here's an old Cavs story about Danny Green. And here's an old Cavs story about Joel Embiid. Because it wasn't much to look at. I'm sure it was game. much more entertaining than the game. Well, but here's the thing. Like, so I came out here, right, and told you guys after they beat Boston twice, it doesn't mean anything about the postseason. So I can't now turn around right. and make a big deal about this. Because it's, it's one game in the regular season. They got cooked. They didn't play well. The, the part, I guess, that I'm a little bit 
uncomfortable with is that it was on the road and they just got absolutely ball batted again. And this is a young team struggling to play on the road. Yeah. And they got to figure it out. Like, they've got to figure that part out. You need a garbage can? No, <laughs> no it was funny you said ball batted. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, I was like, you are a child. Right? I know. Yeah, like, you are just, so are you. You're probably still such a fart on fire. I try not to look over there because I knew I have never set a fart on fire, but I do laugh when I fart. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they, they just they came out incredibly flat, obviously. They could, the Cavs had some open looks. They weren't going down from three. They weren't getting out to the shooters defensively. And Philly, that is one team, if you don't get out to the shooters, they are going to cook you from three, and that's what Philly did. I, I do. I will say, at the, during the first part of that game, it was like Philly would come down there, buckets, three-pointer, yep. Tucker, yep. all these other row guys. And then there would be there would be Isaac Okoro left alone in the top of the corner. Well, that's going to happen. And that – so, I, I'm like, we're going to see a lot of this in the playoffs. But his no play has gone that. off the cliff the last but, few but games. But you know what? This is where – I'm I'm really fascinated by Danny Green. I haven't, we haven't had a chance to talk about it when yeah. I was in. Is We got Jim ready to go? Yeah, I'm texting with him right now. He said he's coming on right now. Okay, so. so real quick, I'm fascinated by the Danny Green thing. I don't know if he's got anything left or not. He's an absolutely perfect fit if he's got anything left because mm-hmm. he could be the Okoro replacement yep. in that starting lineup. Particularly I'm done with in the Okoro, by the way. Well, <laughs> I'm done with him. I'm yeah. done with him. He's, he he went off the cliff again. Every time he reels us back in with three or four good games, yeah. we're like, hey, so here's the real Okoro. No, the real Okoro is he's got a decent ceiling and a terrible floor, and you never know what you're going to well, get. Well, here's what I worry about with him is if you remember Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson when they were here in that last year of, wow. the, of the championship wow. window, yeah. wow. they just vanished yep. during yep. the whole season. Yeah. And he, Okoro, is not nearly as accomplished as they are offensively. No. That's where I think Danny Green could re- – I mean, Danny Green's exactly what you need in terms of 3 and D if he's got anything left. <laughs> and there's – it sounds like there's not a lot of teams out there who feel like Danny's got anything left. It was more of a – there was Danny didn't have a lot of options right. to choose from. It is why he ended up here. Yeah, unfortunately, but the Cavs are not the choice if, if you have a lot of options. No, they're not. But if they can wring anything out of him, yeah. he could really be a nice piece for them and really fit into that spot that Okoro is holding now in the postseason. So you think he, he may, by the end of the year, if he does have a little bit left, he could be moved into the starting lineup? I think so. I mean, nobody's told me that. That's just my opinion. But I look at what Danny Green's accomplished in his career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? If Who's he's the better option at this point? Right. You know, we don't have one. Right. Because yeah. Okoro, I just, I, I, he drives me nuts. And he may be cooked. Danny may be cooked. Right. Uh, two or three weeks from now, we may be saying, yeah, they're, they're yeah not he's not playing at all. Yeah. Especially when the defense is in But, yeah, Okoro just has, a, he played well, and now he's had a bunch of games where it's like, he's out there. I know it's not just about stats, certainly, but, like, he'll play 32 minutes and has no stats. Zero. He, don't, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. And then, and he doesn't then, do so for me, what Okoro is, I think, you know, it's one of those things where since he's not as good as a, 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 a what we want him to be good at, we kind of inflate what he is kind of good at. So it's like when people talk about him yes. defensively, they try to make it like he's, he's like Ron Artest or yeah. something. I'm like, bro, this dude ain't like he's not pipping or nothing. But that's where else I think Danny could really Danny could really help Okoro because I mean, Danny was a second-round pick who was cut a few times. Okoro was a top, what, five pick? Yeah. But that's where they want Okoro to get to is to the Danny Green, make an open corner three and defend your butt off. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you're going to play a long time in this league. You're going to make a lot of money. Isaac isn't there yet, but maybe Danny can help him get to that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve says we talk about Okoro like we talk about Anthony Schwartz. I 
I think more of a Coral. No, Coral, Coral brings more to the party than Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I'm not putting him in that category. Anthony would drop the keg on the way into the. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the way into the Ranger. Yeah. Anthony right. Schwartz, a poor uh, man, Isaac Okoro. Uh, don't we have wow. my, my friend Jim Trotter on with us from NFL.com? Jim, welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Uh, great to have you on. Great to see you again as soon as I can. There he is. Yeah, brother. How are you, man? Everything good? I'm great, man. I, I got to apologize to you, Jay. You know, I pride myself on being prompt and I know somehow you I drop the phone. So it's I apologize okay. to you, nope. you and your audience. Listen, stuff happens. We wanted to talk to you about, um, about the State of the League news conference a week ago where yeah. uh, you really um, were pushing Commissioner Goodell on the league's pro, uh, hiring record, particularly with head coaches, but even front office positions. And I love the fact that you even took it to uh, the NFL Network, which is a subsidiary of the league. The, the people that work there are hired by the league, and they have to own, they have to have a record and an accounting for what they do there. We have the clip um, of your question. Let's roll it, and then I'm going to ask you some questions on the back of it. Uh, Jim Trotter, NFL Media. Um, you and other league officials have said that the league's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion extend beyond the sidelines and beyond the front offices and is applied to all aspects of the company. I've worked at NFL Media for five years. During those five years, we have never had a black person in senior management in our newsroom. That's a problem because we cover a league who, according to league data, the player population is 60 to 70 percent black, which means that there is no one who looks like these players at the table when decisions are being made about how they are covered. More concerning is that for a year plus now, we have never had a full-time black employee on the news desk, which again is a problem because we cover a league whose player population is 60 to 70 percent black according to league data. I asked you about these things last year, and what you told me is that the league had fallen short and you were going to review all of your policies and practices to try and improve this. And yet a year later, nothing has changed. You know, James Baldwin once said that I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. And so I would ask you as an employee, when are we in the newsroom going to have a black person in senior management? And when will we have a full-time black employee on the news desk? Well, Jim, um, I am not in charge of the newsroom. Um, so I, what, I think the... the can I answer your question? As you point out, it's the same question you asked last year. And we did go back, and we have reviewed everything we've been doing across the league. And we are looking at everything from vendors that we're working with to partners that we're working with to ownership where we've seen significant changes in diversity just this year. And I'm not specific, do not know specifically about the media business. We'll check in again with our people, but I am comfortable that we made significant progress across the league. I can't answer the specific questions. Some of the data you may have raised there may be accurate, maybe not. Last year, I was told some of it wasn't. Oh, we'll wow. get to you on that. That's what I want to ask them we want to make progress across the board, and that includes in the media room. And so those are things that we'll continue to look at and hopefully make real progress to. I can't answer because I do not know specifically what those So, Jim, I want to let you know that I was, I was actually um, – on the treadmill watching this, cheering you on. And I, the biggest thing I was disappointed about was that you didn't have the microphone to respond to some of the things he said. So I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. The first thing that I think you're probably chomping at the bit to respond to, 
was his statement that some of the data you gave may have been accurate, maybe not. Wow. Um, I, I know you as a reporter. Um, I, your, the, the pains that you take to make sure everything is right, it's un, unlike anyone I've known. So what was your response to that and his answer in general? Yeah, um, to the data he referred to, I would say this. If, if my data was wrong, don't you think that at some point over the last 12 months, someone from the league office would have said your data was wrong? <laughs> yeah. And nobody said that to me over the last 12 months. If we want to be really nitpick here, there was one um, number that I gave that was wrong. I said there were, um, at that time, I said there had only been one black club president. A week before, two weeks before, and I missed this this um, news release, Sashi Brown had been hired as president of uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I had missed that. So, in fact, instead of one black club president, there were two. So if you wanted to say my numbers were wrong, that is that is truthful, that is factual. I did miss out on, on Sashi Brown being hired in Baltimore at that time. But again... Um, they had a, a full year to tell me that my numbers were wrong and no one said that. It kind of reminds me of the DeMar Hamlin situation where, um, you know, they're going to claim that that no one notified the teams to go back out on the field and get ready to play. And yet we've got Joe Burrow warming up and we've got the Buffalo Bills defense going back um, out onto the field. And they said that no one said, no one informed the teams to warm up. And yet... Uh, Joe Buck said it four times over a 45-minute period that right. the teams have been notified to warm up, and yet no one from the league office, and you know this, Jay, there is an open line, phone line, between New York mm -hmm. and the broadcast team. No one from New York told Joe Buck and ESPN that they were wrong, that um, the teams had not been notified. So if the, if the commissioner wants to quibble over that, I'm ready to go and, and have that discussion with him at any time. Um, generally, my response to his answer is that it, it fell short. And I say this to you because of this. Again, you had a full year to address this issue. I brought it up to you in LA at the Super Bowl. Nothing changed. And so for you to say that I don't manage the, the, the media um, um, room, the fact is New York sets our budget. New York sets our head count. New York knows exactly who is employed in the media group and, and in the newsroom particularly. And the heads of these departments, as you know, Jay, all report to New York, which ultimately reports to Roger if he is interested in, in knowing this data. So my point is, okay, now are we going to have another year with no action? And I've heard people say that, you know, question whether or not I'm attacking the commissioner. And, and my point is I am not. I don't want to ask these questions, but if you are going to present yourself in a certain way, and if you are going to say that diversity, equity, and inclusion are core principles of the NFL, then it is my job as a journalist to find out whether your actions reflect your words. Wow. And to this point, your actions do not reflect your words, particularly as it relates to black people. And that's why I'm very focused on, on who I ask about. It's easy under the diversity umbrella to drop in white women, or gays or whoever. And they all have a place in the NFL, and I'm not saying they don't. But when I look at what is happening with black people in the company, check out our retention rate, check out our promotion rates. It is among the lowest in the NFL 
company-wide. So from that standpoint, you're right. I am going to ask you about it every opportunity I get. Jim, uh, I got to say that I'm going per personally going to attack the commissioner. I think he's a liar. I think he's as big a liar as any politician out there. I think he's completely disingenuous. I, I believe that he and most of the owners don't care about diversity. They don't care about inclusion. They say it because they want to get good PR for saying it because a lot of media members will write their stories about how the commissioner wants to do this and that, but he doesn't really care about it. I don't think personally anything's going to change until we have diversity of ownership. And that doesn't mean a 10% stake in the team. That means a, a, a majority owner that's black until we start seeing that, right? I mean, the reality is that old white guys I'm not saying they're all racist because they're not all racist. Some of them probably are. Some of them probably not. But even if they're not, what are they used to, these old white guys? They're around a lot of other white people. They grew up around a lot of other white people. So even if it's subconscious, they're probably going to connect with a white person first. That's just the reality of the situation. And then some of them are outright racist. We may not know about it, but I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people who do. So I don't believe, I honestly don't believe the league, not every owner, but I believe the majority of them don't give, don't care at all. And so I'm glad you're continuing to hold the feet to the fire because too often in situations like this, we ask, like media members ask the questions initially, and then we all go away and forget about the story. But it, it, unless people right. like you keep asking these questions, nothing will change because I don't think they really care. Anything I say unfair? No, um, let me say this about ownership. I'm not so focused on having a quote unquote black owner. I want a black owner who is socially conscious because we have a saying yes. in the community that all skin folk and kin folk. And so I do not need you to put a black face in ownership and say, we have a black owner. I want a black owner who is socially conscious to the issues that affect our community and affect many of these players in terms of where they come from in their communities. So, um, Great and look, here's the other thing, and I had this conversation with an owner who tried to tell me that they're, um, I gotta be careful what I say here because I've been told not to speak about it yet, but at some point I will. But anyway, I had a conversation with an owner one time and, and I asked this owner and said, are you all going to change your ownership requirements in terms of purchasing a, purchasing a team so that more minorities, more blacks will have an opportunity to purchase a team. Because for your audience members who don't know, in order to purchase an NFL franchise up front, you have to pay in cash 30% of the value of the team. And so we just saw the Denver Broncos sell for $4.5 billion, which means that if you are going to purchase that team, you have to write a check for over $1 billion dollars that is not have a net worth of one billion it is to write a check liquid cash for over one billion dollars i would ask you how many black folk do you know in this country who can write a check for a billion dollars there are some i don't know all of them i don't know that they would have interest in the nfl in purchasing a team but i'm just saying to you why not change your requirements to um allow more people to have an opportunity to purchase a team. And until they address that, I don't believe that they're serious about this. I agree. You know, Jim, I, I want to um, thank you for saying that because what you said at the NFL level directly affects young African American people at the local level trying to get jobs in journalism and media and, and, and working on television and radio. To be clear, 
Um, I'm 41 years old. Um, you know, I got a degree from Ohio University. I have a couple of those. I went to broadcasting school. Um, I've been working and grinding in this town in Cleveland for 12, 13 years. And most of those times I was, it was part-time. I can think in my head right now about three to four full-time guys that either cover teams that are African-American or on full-time on television or radio doing the same thing. And for me, there's this tremendous burden that you kind of feel because halfway through that time period, you know, I, I remember sitting in my car and breaking down because I thought to myself, you know, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not getting that opportunity? Why is it? Why is the goalpost always moving? It wasn't just for me feeling bad. I felt bad for every other person that came behind me because I said, well, look at me. My mother and father have been married forever, right? They are college graduates. I don't have overly tattoos. I'm college educated. I've never been in a correctional facility. I don't have a record and, and I work two jobs and I still consistently do things outside of here. If I can't get hired, how is somebody else that looks like me going to get hired that don't have that advantage? I mean, I'm coming from a 1%. So from when you say that it resonates so much because it's just not the NFL. It's all publications. When you look at it, those numbers represent the same thing on a local level and, and, and rate in local newspapers and local television and local radio. And sometimes it's just a daunting feeling feeling like you represent so many more people outside of this that should be getting opportunities. So when y'all look at Eric B enemy at this point, it is, it's the same thing. You know, it's it, it's it, the goalposts are move. Well, maybe you need some experience. How do I get experience if I won't get an opportunity? Do I got and, and we're not even talk about when you do get the opportunity, the wages, the income inequality. I'm already know that I'm going to make three times less than the guy who's less qualified to me. That's what the statistics say in corporate America. So how is how do we translate this conversation from NFL? to get it in front of people say it's just not that it's the media in general. How are we going to tell young black men that you are we we value you we include you, but we're we're not seeing equality in terms of hiring or pay wages. Well, one of the things I try and do is just be honest with people like I I teach part time at San Diego State University and I am very open with um, the students about what I see in the industry and what your opportunities are in the industry. Understand this, when I worked at the San Diego Union Tribune where I spent 18 years, I was told that I was the first black hired in the sports department. And when I left there, since then, I do not believe that there has been another black hired as a sports writer in that department. People have to understand the newsroom can be a very lonely place for black people. Um, and I'm not asking you to cry tears for me or anything like that. I, I'm just trying to present the facts to you. And what I would say to you is when I was in journalism school at Howard University, what I was told is that a newsroom should reflect the community that it covers. And so when I talk about the NFL, the reason I bring up the player population is because if 60 to 70 percent of your player population is black and you don't have anyone who looks like them, or who shares the same cultural experiences that they have experienced, if you don't have anyone like that sitting at the desk when decisions are being made about what is going to be covered, who is going to cover it, how it is going to be covered, and whether it is going to be covered at all, 
That is a problem in my mind. That says to me that you are not serious about understanding what these men are going through. And here's the other thing, let's be honest with this. After George Floyd was murdered, there was this awakening across the country where we were told, where black people were told, we hear you. We are receptive to your concerns and your sensibilities. And now here we are two and a half years later and it's back to, we are focused on diversity. Not black people anymore, but diversity. And so that's why I bring up these numbers specifically as it relates to black people, because yeah, you might hire us for an entry level position and say that you're getting numbers up, but then what is, what is your, your, your record on upward mobility? What is your record on promotion? What is your record on retention of these individuals? Are there opportunities for them to climb to the highest levels of your company? And we're not seeing that right now. It's interesting. Um, when you'd mentioned that there were no um, there were no blacks in senior management at the NFL network, uh, I know. You no, know no, in the newsroom. I, I got to be. In I, the have newsroom. To, I have to be focused in the okay, newsroom. Right. Um, I know our buddy Galen Gordon was at the NFL network for a while. He's left and gone to ABC. I'm wondering who replaced him. And I'm, I, I believe he was in charge of talent. And I, right. I, that's why I, I didn't even realize those numbers were true until you said them. And then I started going through my mind and I'm like, yeah, the people that I know, and I don't, I don't understand how it even gets to that point, but A, how you made it, you brought it to the commissioner's attention last year and it still hasn't been fixed. And before, I know you got to go, I also want you to address, have you heard anything from the commissioner since? Um, people may not understand, that's essentially your boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I wanted to bring you on and to highlight that because 99.99999% of America would never consider uh, approaching their boss in a publicly, uh, I don't want to say confrontational way, but, it, you know, you were putting his feet to the fire. Um, do you regret that? Have you, have you heard any pushback or feedback from that? This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Oh, I don't regret it at all. No, not in the least bit. Look, Jay, I'm, I'm about to turn 60. So I don't know how many years I have left in this business. But one thing I have told myself ever since Colin Kaepernick took a knee is that whatever time I do have left in this business, my purpose in it is to give a voice to the voiceless. And I'm going to do that to my last breath as long as I'm working in this business. So do I regret going after the commissioner, or I shouldn't say going after him, but presenting this to him? No, not in the least. 
because I believe that if you say you are one thing, then your actions should reflect it. And I don't need these performative gestures like, you know, slogans in the end zone about end racism yeah. or yeah. we're all in it or we're one or, or the labels on the helmets. Yeah, I don't need any of that. What I need is, is, is actionable um, behavior that reflects that this is serious to you. The biggest disappointment for me in all of this, going back to last year in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl, is that when I address the commissioner, no one from the league office has ever reached out to me to say, let's wow. have a conversation about this. Yeah. What can we do to try and make it better? No one. Stunning. And in fact, the, o- the only people who have reached out to me is in the last three days, uh, four days, where a couple of people at the network um, in the newsroom uh, reached out to me and said, you know, I hear you on this. I want to be an advocate. Kind of what can we do? And it was not the senior management that reached out to me on that either. I want to be clear on that. The other thing that has shocked me most about all of this over the last year, Jay, to be quite frank, is that the people who have come up to me most and said thank you for doing this are white people, right? I'm expecting it to be my fellow black employees who who they, they, they um, thank me for asking, but it's white people who recognize that there is a problem and say we need to address it. And that kind of blew me away and maybe that speaks to me and my mindset but I wasn't expecting that. So why do I do it? Because I can do it. Because if I were in my mid forties or something and I had young kids at home and a wife and a family and I had to put food on the table, maybe I don't ask that question. I'm being as transparent as I can here because I know it could, it could potentially affect my livelihood. But as I said to you, I'm about to turn 60. If, I, if they don't renew my contract, which is up at the end of March, I will find another job. I will be fine. I've had time to prepare myself for whatever comes next. Should I have to worry about that? No, but it's a reality of life. So from that standpoint, all I say to the NFL League office, look, if you're serious about this, let's have a dialogue and let's try and come up with a way to address this issue. And for you to say, well, we have head counts or we have budgets, the NFL prints money. How much would it cost the NFL to say, we're gonna create another position in senior management in the newsroom so that we are reflective of the community that we covered. Come on. Really? It's about really? Time, it should, yeah. It's not a money issue. No. Jim, I don't have a question for you, but as a fellow journalist, I applaud your courage, man. It's, it's awesome. You have my utmost respect. Um, and I, my jaw dropped. I've, I've, very rarely have I seen the commissioner tied into a pretzel <laughs> like you had him <laughs> tied at the The commissioner podium. should be embarrassed. And... Uh, no, I just commend it to you, and you have my utmost respect. That was that was awesome. No, I appreciate you. It means a lot. Jim Trotter, um, uh, before I let you go, you've written books, um, and you were kind enough to come on and do this. You didn't have to. Uh, terrible shot, Jason. I hit the light. <laughs> what? what um, no, nah, Jay, you know, Jay, you know I love you, man. You were always one of the kindest people to me whenever I, I was on at ESPN, going back to the cold pizza days and whatnot, and I'm not a TV guy. I've, I've never been. I still don't feel comfortable on TV. But you and going back in the day, Dana always made me feel so comfortable, man. So I got nothing but love for you. And anytime you need me, I'm, I'm here well, for you. That means a lot to me. Um, and I disagree with you. You are a TV person. You're very much a TV person. In fact, you were one of my fa- We had a rotation to cover two guys. You were, and they would come on and they would basically empty their notebook with, with tidbits. Not only was your information always A+, plus, but I thought your delivery was A+. Plus. You were fair. You treated everybody um, the same way. And it's, you know it's the feelings mutual. But 
you, I know you've written a book on Junior Sale. I think you've written other books too. Am I, I, I just want you to go ahead and just mention the books that you've written because I think that there are people watching here that if they weren't fans of you before, they certainly are now and would probably like to read some of your stuff. So go ahead and rattle off some of the stuff that you've written so these folks can go out and try to find it. Yeah, no, I, I did write one on Junior after his death. He was someone that I knew well, and, and the family okayed me to write a book um, following his death. Uh, the last couple of years, I finished up, I was three-quarters of the way through a book with Larry Fitzgerald, and then Larry told me he wanted to wait on it because he's got a lot more living to do, so we've kind of tabled that one. That one's <laughs> not out there. But I will say this to the audience, and, and I will say this specifically to Lamar Jackson, if he is watching the show, and hopefully he is, Lamar, I want to do a book with you. I would love to tell your story. I like that. <laughs> I would love to tell your journey to this point. Um, if you are down for it, reach out. Um, let me know because I think it would be fascinating. And you could get paid off of it too. Help, help uh, um, take care of that wallet a little bit. But yeah, that's the one I want to do, to be honest with you. I think you're the perfect guy to tell that story. We're going to yeah. clip this and we'll put it on social. And we'll even tag Lamar. So yeah. So Jim, we make would, sure he sees it. Real quick, would would you if you were Lamar, if you were an advisor or a friend of Lamar, would you advise him to get an agent, or would you advise him, hey, just do your thing the way you're doing it? No, I don't think he needs an agent. As long as you have a good attorney around you, you know what the what the parameters are. Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract. I can't blame him. Um, and if I'm Lamar, I take the Kirk Cousins route and say, you want to franchise me? Franchise me. I'll play under the tag for two years, and then I hit the market, and somebody will pay me guaranteed money. So. Yep. Um, if they franchise him each of the next two years, he stands to make close to $80 million. Um, that's not a bad payday. And then you hit the open market. So, <laughs> Lamar, keep doing you. That's the thing I love about Lamar, guys, is that he's so authentic and he is simply himself and he is not going to be pressured by anyone on the outside to do something he does not feel comfortable with. His circle is small. His circle is tight. And I just love everything about that dude in terms of his authenticity. So... Again, if you're watching Lamar, let's do a book. <laughs> I love well, it. Jim, you're lucky. I have it on uh, pretty good terms from league sources that Lamar wakes up every morning and watches the days, the previous days UCSS. Good. So he's definitely going to see this tomorrow. We'll put you in touch with Lamar. Uh, you know, he's in Baltimore, but he does love us talking about the Browns and breaking them down. So we'll get you in touch with him for sure. Be be and before you go, Jim, I got to say this is why I love my brothers, man. You know why? He just put up there. He said, yeah, listen, I'm 60 years old. In what year? And this dude is an alien. I know. 16? <laughs> I know. It. Black That's people. True. Black people, black you know, crack. Well, you know what we do, Jim. He like, he like yeah. yo, I'm about 42 forever. Jim, I say, but you're looking good, man. You, you look are, Jim. It's all. great to yeah, see you again. Hey, if they don't uh, renew your contract, you'll be out of a job for about five minutes. Yeah, and yeah, I'll be yeah. your agent. You'll be scooped up. You got nothing to worry about, <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, Jim. Come back whenever you want. Appreciate Much love you, Jim. Yep. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.